you're listening to the Trinity Podcast. We are a multi-site church in the Chicago area whose mission is to help you look, live, and love more like Jesus. So I went to college at the University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign, and my degree was in Islamic studies, but as a part of the religious studies department, it also meant that I had to take classes, introductory classes, to all the major world's religions. And I remember uh, when the semester came and it was time for me to take my introduction to Christianity class. And I was still a fairly young Christian. So I was pretty excited, actually, to, to go to this class to learn a little bit more about my faith. But I also knew that I was taking this class at a secular university. So I knew that there were probably things in that course that I would hear that I didn't agree with, things that maybe would even challenge my faith a bit. But I remember one particular lecture. We were looking at the accounts of Jesus' trial and execution, and my professor said something that has always stuck with me. He said this, he said, the death of Jesus was the greatest miscarriage of justice that I have ever known. And then he went on to say, and that's the reason why I'm not a Christian. I can't believe in a God who would allow something like that to happen. You see, my professor wanted a God who gives people what they deserve. He wanted a God who gives justice. And so for those who've done wicked, he wanted them punished. For those who've done good, he wanted them rewarded. And so for him, the cross and the crucifixion of Jesus was actually a stumbling block and a barrier to faith. And yet what's so interesting is that Christians have insisted down through the centuries that this moment and the resurrection that follows are the very center of our faith that you can't, actually can't really understand the heart of God without understanding these two important events, the death of Jesus and his resurrection. And it's part of the reason why we call tonight Good Friday, because we believe that it is here that we see the depths of God's love for us in beautiful, rich, and yes, sometimes difficult moments. And so what I want us to do tonight is I want us to take a closer look. I want us to take a closer look at the final moments of Jesus, at some of the last things that he said, because a person's last words reveal a great deal about their heart, about who they are, about what they valued in life. Several years ago, I read the book, The Last Lecture by Randy Posh. Now, he was a professor at Carnegie Mellon University. He was one of the most popular lecturers in his, uh, lecturers in his department. And he suddenly received a, a terminal brain cancer diagnosis. He'd been told by his doctors he had only a couple of months to live. And so he took some time to prepare his final lecture. That lecture was then turned into a best-selling book, and in his introduction, he talks a little bit about why he felt it was so important for him to give this last message to his students, and this is what he said. He said, what wisdom would we impart to the world if we knew that it was our last chance? If we had to vanish tomorrow, what would we want as our legacy? See, he knew that his last words mattered. 
that they said something about him. They were the most important things that he could possibly pass on, and that's what, what moved him to, to, to write this lecture. And so likewise, we want to focus on the last words of Jesus to see what it is that they specifically tell us about him and about his heart for us. But to help us get into it and to really set the scene well, I really want to focus in on the, the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 23, where we read one of the several accounts of Jesus' death. It's there that we learn that after he was put on trial unjustly, accused falsely, condemned wrongly, that Jesus was led outside the city to a hill where he was to be crucified. Crucifixion was absolutely the worst form of execution in the ancient world. It was slow, it was excruciating, it was humiliating. It was one in which the condemned were stripped naked and nailed to old raw wood and hoisted up between heaven and earth where they slowly died of asphyxiation and bleeding out. It was, it was incredibly painful. And what we learn about Jesus' crucifixion is that he wasn't the only one who was being crucified that day. And what Luke tells us is that as he's led out to be crucified, two other criminals were crucified with him. One on his right and the other on his left. And that while they are there on, hanging on the cross, one of those criminals actually mocked Jesus. After hearing the crowds mocking Jesus for claiming that he was the son of God, this criminal decided to join in a very cynical rant in which he finally said, hey, if you really are the son of God, why don't you save us and save yourself? But the other criminal said something truly remarkable. He said, don't you fear God? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. How interesting. He says, this is where his deeds have led him. He says, this is what it looks like to actually get what you deserve. This is where this road goes. And I think it's worth pausing and asking ourselves the question, where will my deeds lead me? You see, I think that we tend to think that our deeds will ultimately lead to our vindication, but I want you to pause for just a moment. Take a step back and ask yourself this question. What have you truly done to deserve paradise? What have you truly done to deserve paradise? What have you done to merit the eternal pleasures of perfection? You see, when we really think, stop and think about it, I don't think we really want a God who gives us what we deserve. Too often, we are perfectly content to hold other people to the highest of standards, but when it comes to ourselves, we want just a little bit of leniency, right? That if I were to ask a person, you know, are, would you say that you're a good person? Like, oh, yeah, most of the time. He's like, most of the time? Yeah, most, I mean, yeah, I think so. And it's just like, so you love people generously and unselfishly. You never lie or, or cheat or, or bear false witness or gossip or any of those things. Well, you know, I mean, yeah, sometimes I do those things, but you know, I'm not Hitler. It's like, yeah, great. You know, I hope most people aren't. That's like a really low bar, right? 
What have you done? What have I done? What have we done? To truly earn eternal life. To truly warrant being welcomed in to God's kingdom. You see, this thief, this criminal got it right. Deep down we know that no matter how hard we try, none of us deserves entry into paradise. And this criminal understands that. He finally sees it when he's at his end. That's why it's important on Good Friday to truly take stock so that it's not, it doesn't take our last moments to see the truth of where our deeds lead us. This criminal, finally wrestling with that, says the only thing that he can. That after admitting we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong, he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. After taking a look at his own life, he admits what we all want so fervently to deny. He doesn't deserve paradise. He's not worthy of the kingdom. And so he simply asks. He asks for mercy. He says, Jesus, just please remember me. I know I don't deserve it. But would you consider me when you come into your kingdom? When you enter into your glory? And what I love is Jesus' response. Upon hearing that man's plea, Jesus responds, Truly I say to you, Today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus offers paradise to this criminal who doesn't deserve it. Why? Because that's what he came to do. That's what he came to do. This sentence falls into a series of phrases that Jesus spoke from the cross, all of which reveal his heart for us and what he came to do. You've seen some of them as you've walked in to worship tonight. These are known as the seven last words of Jesus, and these images that you've seen quite literally illustrate what he said in his final moments, and each one helps us to truly understand the good news that Jesus came not to judge but to save. Consider two of the things that he said. That as he's being nailed to the cross and being mocked by the soldiers, he looks down and he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Jesus says, I came to give forgiveness, not judgment. I came to extend mercy, not to give you what you deserve. And what I love about the forgiveness that he offers and the grace that he gives and the love that he has is it's not a, a vague, generalized kind of love. Jesus isn't hanging on the cross and saying, generally, I like humanity. It's a deeply personal, incredibly intimate kind of forgiveness, love, and grace. We actually see it in the next thing that he says. That as he's hanging there, stripped naked, naked and in agony... He looks down and he sees his mother. Sees her standing there weeping. Standing beside one of his 
best friends, his disciple John. And in that moment, he says, dear woman, here is your son, and here is your mother. It's an incredibly touching moment in which Jesus, in the midst of his pain, when he could be totally focused inward, extends kindness and gentleness and love to someone else who's hurting. You see, the kind of forgiveness and love that Jesus had on the cross is not a generalized kind of love. It's a very personal one. He was considering specific people. His heart and his mind and his eyes were directed toward those that he came to save and to love and to comfort and extend grace and mercy to. And that's true not just of what was happening in those moments, but it's true for us here now tonight. That when Jesus was on that cross, his eyes were where? They were on you. They were on me. We're told earlier in the Gospels that he knew full well what would happen to him. That he fully understood the price that he would have to pay, and yet he set his face toward Jerusalem. He was undaunting in, in the steps that led him there. Why? Because you were on his mind and in his heart. Because he was considering us, caring for us, loving us. In this moment when he says, dear woman, here's your son and here is your mother, he's offering that kind of deep, intimate kind of love and care to those who are on his mind and his heart. He knew that they would need that. That's the kind of forgiveness and love that he extends even from the cross, even in the, his moment of greatest pain. The next two words show us the price that he was willing to pay. He was willing to bear all of the spiritual and physical agony of judgment that we so rightly deserved. From the cross, he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And as his heart begins to fail and as his tongue sticks to the roof of his mouth, he says, I'm thirsty. These are words of desolation, words of being forsaken. As he bears the cost and the, and the pain of, of what we rightly deserved. That if we stop and we think about what is it that we truly deserve, the answer is Nothing. The thief understood it. It was this hill. It was this cross. And yet Jesus said, that's what I'm willing to take for you. And he experienced all the, the spiritual and physical agony that comes with it. And yet he went anyways. Forsaken and thirsty. Enduring all of the judgment that should have been ours. And then in his final two words... He promises that even in the midst of that judgment, all has been completed. The last things that he speaks are the words, it is finished, and Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. The word, it is, the, the phrase, it is finished, was actually a, a legal term in Jesus' day. 
That when someone had a debt that was owed and they finally had it paid off, whether it was by them or someone else, it was marked with the word tetelestai. It is finished. The phrase, it's complete, it's paid for, it's done. Jesus says that through this agony, through this pain, through this judgment, I've paid the price that you deserved. I've paid the cost so you don't have to. And finally, he entrusts himself to his Father, who is indeed mercy and love, grace and forgiveness. You see, these final seven words of Jesus reveal what he truly came to do. Not to offer judgment, but to grant forgiveness, mercy, grace, love, and hope. So powerful were these final moments of Jesus that one of the soldiers who was standing there upon seeing him give up his spirit said this, when the centurion who stood in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. What would lead this hardened soldier to say this? This man who must have stood at the foot of dozens of crosses, who'd seen countless criminals executed, The only answer is that he saw something truly divine and otherworldly in how Jesus died. He saw something different in those final moments, those last words. He saw a kind of love that we so desperately needed, and so he confesses the truth. This man truly was the Son of God. This is why we call it Good Friday. And we, like the centurion, we can can stand there and see that this is God's heart for us for you and for me. He comes to give us not what we deserve. And for that, we are grateful. This is what drove Jesus to the cross and to the tomb. It wasn't his justice, but his love. That's what held him there. God's justice, yes, done for all the wickedness of humankind, but swallowed up by his grace. The one who spoke the heavens and the earth into being with but a word, who could have simply said the word and had all the pain and agony end, was held there not by nails, but by his love for us. He was not worthy of death, we are. And yet he faced it so that we might be welcomed into his kingdom. That is what makes it Good Friday. That is why it stands at the center of our faith. Because that is the kind of God who has come to rescue us. Let's pray. Lord God, we give you so much thanks that we can truly call this Good Friday. Because you don't give us what we deserve. But rather in your grace and your love and your mercy, you laid down your life that we might live. You paid the price we should have paid. You died the death that we should have died so that we might receive a kingdom which has no end. And all we can do is stand at the foot of the cross and say, truly, this man was the Son of God, is the Son of God. That he is worthy not of death, but truly worthy of all praise. May knowing that comfort us Reassure us, give us hope, and remind us that there is nothing 
in heaven or on earth that can ever separate us from your love. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Trinity Podcast. We hope this week's message encouraged you to consider the claims of Jesus in a new way, and we would love to have you join us for worship on the weekend. To find a location near you, visit www.tlc4u.org.